Welcome back to the show, everybody. Got a fun episode for you today. I'm going to start off with some movie news, but after that, I am going to be reviewing four Cheaper by the Dozen films. I'm going to start off with 2022's Cheaper by the Dozen on Disney Plus that just came out. I'm also going to be reviewing 2003's Cheaper by the Dozen with Steve Martin, as well as its sequel in 2005, Cheaper by the Dozen 2 with Steve Martin and also Eugene Levy. And then I'm going to be reviewing the 1950 film, which I'm sure a lot of people probably didn't even know that there was a 1950 Cheaper by the Dozen, but indeed there is. And also, it's based off of a novel, so there you go. But uh, there is also a sequel to the 1950 film. I forgot what it was called, but it's not called Cheaper by the Dozen 2. I didn't end up watching that one, uh, so sorry if that disappoints you, but I don't really think it will. Um, So yeah. I'm going to be reviewing all those in that order. And then after that, I'm going to be ranking them. Uh, See which one's worst, which one's best. So, uh, yeah. Before I uh, get into some movie news here and cut to the intro, I'd like to thank today's sponsor. This episode is sponsored by Audible, which, if you don't know, has a great selection of audiobooks, originals, and podcasts. And right now, if you go to www.audibletrial.com slash popculturepodcast, you can get a free 30-day trial of Audible Plus, which lets you listen to a selection of audiobooks, originals, sleep tracks, meditation programs, and podcasts. Or you can get a free 30-day trial of Audible Premium Plus, which gives you all of that from Audible Plus, as well as one free title per month from an extended selection of bestsellers and new releases. And you own those, so that's awesome. So uh, yeah, if you want to go get that 30-day free trial of Audible, that website is www.audibletrial.com slash popculturepodcast. Now on with the show. It's 106 miles to Chicago. We got a full tank of gas, half a pack of cigarettes. It's dark and we're wearing sunglasses. Hit it. First piece of news here is some Scream 6 news. This comes from Collider, and their headline is, Scream 6 gets 2023 release date. And they say here, you will be screaming again very soon. Hell yeah. So uh, they say here, Scream 6 will flat, uh, slash its way to theaters on March 31st of 2023 for Paramount and Spyglass. Um, there's no other major film on that date yet. And if there was, Ghostface might have scared them away. <laughs> That's kind of funny. But, um, yeah, the newest Scream movie made $140 million worldwide, so with the success of that, it only makes sense to make another one with this uh, newer cast. And it also looks like Courtney Cox recently got the script for the new Scream movie, so looks like she will be returning as well. Not sure if Neve Campbell will be returning as Sidney Prescott or not, but very excited to see this next film. I really enjoyed the newest Scream movie, so... uh yeah, I'd like to know what you guys think. Are you excited for it or not? Uh, let me know down in the comments below. But now, on to the next piece of news. Next piece of news here comes from comicbook.com, and their headline is, The Batman Director Announces Paul Dano's Riddler Year One Spinoff Comic. And uh, here we go. 
This comes from his Twitter. It says, Paul Dano's incredible journey with the Riddler isn't over yet. Unmask his new at DC Comics comic book, Riddler Year One, this October and see at the Batman. Hashtag only in theaters now. Hashtag the Batman. Hashtag the Riddler. Hashtag DC Comics. And uh, he said in a follow-up tweet, uh, somebody asked, Matt, did Paul Dano write this? Is that what you're trying to tell us? We need answers. And Matt Reeves said, yes, Paul Dano wrote it, which is very cool. Paul Dano, uh, the Riddler himself, wrote The Riddler Year One, which will be coming out in October, which I'll definitely have to read. I haven't read Batman Year One, but I have seen the animated movie version of it. I also haven't read The Long Halloween, but that seems to be a very popular one as well that I need to uh, I need to get on. But I never have time to read comics nowadays. Especially Long Halloween, that's a long book. But in an interview, uh, Paul Dano was actually talking about how he read some of the Batman source material before going into it. I think he said he either read uh, Year One or The Long Halloween, maybe even both. So it's obvious that he's a comic book fan, it's obvious that he's a Batman fan, and the fact that he is writing a comic about the character he played, I think that's really cool. So uh, very excited to see that, definitely going to have to check out this comic book. And uh, same goes for my last piece of news. If you have anything to say on this, if you're excited for it, uh, I'd love to know your thoughts down in the comments below. But now on to the next piece of news. All right, another piece of news here. Some Mandalorian Threesen <laughs> Season 3 news. And uh, it looks like Christopher Lloyd is joining the Mandalorian Season 3. This comes from Giant Freaking Robot, a uh, website I've gotten news from in the past. And they say here, Christopher Lloyd has joined the cast of the upcoming Season 3 of The Mandalorian. Uh, the legendary actor will be playing an unknown role on the immensely popular Disney Plus streaming show. But even... Sorry. Zoomed in on me. Uh, what does it say? But even word of his casting is pretty exciting. The Mandalorian has one of the most successful Star Wars projects in years. Uh, has been one of the most successful Star Wars projects in years, beginning with its premiere in 2019. And uh, anticipation for the next season is hitting a feet, uh, fervently high point. That's a word I haven't seen before. Uh, as more rumors and details about the upcoming installment of The Adventures of the Masked Bounty Hunter and as adorably tiny we, uh, word leak, the uh, the upcoming season just sounds all the more interesting and now that the star of Back to the Future is on board, uh, we especially cannot wait. And neither could I. Um, so yeah, it says here that he's just cast in an unknown role. I think I also saw that uh, Giancarlo Esposito is supposed to come back for season three, as well as like Bo-Katan and stuff. So definitely been getting a lot of Mandalorian season three news. Not quite sure when the show is supposed to drop or season three is supposed to drop, but... Still very excited and also excited to see Christopher Lloyd, Doc Brown himself, show up in a Star Wars property. But yeah, I'd love to know what you guys think. What character do you think he might be playing? Or is it a completely new character? Are you excited for uh, for him to be showing up in The Mandalorian in Season 3? Or are you just kind of like, meh? I'd like to know what you think, but on to the last piece of news here. And the last piece of news here comes from the direct... And their headline is, Avatar 2 trailer rumored to debut with upcoming Marvel movie. And they go on to say here, although companies like Marvel Studios and Warner Bros. are looking to make their mark in 2022, 
The year is filled with highly anticipated blockbusters across the industry. Included in the mix is James, Cam- uh, James Cameron's Avatar 2, a movie that's been almost a generation in the making. The otherworldly sci-fi epic has faced delays unlike those of any other major movie, but it's finally on the horizon. We'll see about that. Uh, Cameron entered an elite class of directors in 2009 with the first Avatar film, which became the highest grossing movie ever at the historical box office thanks to excuse me got hiccups thanks to its one-of-a-kind visual effects its biggest competition came with 2019's uh avengers endgame from the mcu which came out on top for a short time before avatar was re-released in theaters and retook its box office title douchebag (laughs) um but yeah although cameron has teased as many as four sequels added to the story, it's been more than a dozen years since the uh, the first Avatar arrived. That extended delay has taken Avatar 2 off the radar for many moviegoers, even with filming reportedly making headway for, on Avatar 3 and Avatar 4. Now in a new excited development, uh, fans may have an idea of when to expect the first look at their return to Pandora. And before I get into that, I just gotta say, I've never finished Avatar all the way through. And I uh, didn't really care for it, so not really anticipating this movie. And uh, like I said before, yeah, I'll believe it when I see it. Um, a trailer is one thing. We've gotten trailers for movies that have been delayed for year, like a couple years. So I wouldn't be surprised if this got delayed again for some fucking reason. Uh, am I looking forward to it? No. Uh, am I going to watch it? Yes. But... I'm not going to go in and like hate watch it because I don't like the first one. In fact, I'll probably go and rewatch the first one, but um, let's let's move on here. Uh, the Anklers, Jeff Snyder, reported that Disney is planning to debut the first trailer for James Cameron's Avatar 2 in front of the theatrical release of Marvel Studios' Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. Um, so Avatar, if you don't know, is owned by Disney at this point. Um, you know, they ha- even have Pandora at one of their... Uh, one of their theme parks or maybe two of them or something like that. I think they have it in, uh, I think they have it in Walt Disney or Walt Disney. (laughs) I think they have it in Disney world. Uh, I'm pretty sure it's in Hollywood studios where, uh, star Wars used to be. If I'm not mistaken, I think LA might have it or not. I don't know if it's technically LA, but California. Um, I think they have it too. I'm pretty sure, but I could be wrong. Uh, but yeah, it seems like we might be getting this trailer with the, release of Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, which is pretty cool. Uh, Let me see here. Disney reportedly hopes that this trailer strategy will be a win-win for two of their biggest blockbusters in 2022, kicking off the worldwide marketing for a sequel to a 2013 old... Oh my god, I can't talk. Uh, Kicking off the worldwide marketing for a sequel to a 13-year-old cinematic Phantom? Phantom? Phenom? That's not how you spell phenomenon. A phenom? Never heard it said that way. Uh, A 13-year-old cinematic phenom while also generating a few extra dollars for Doctor Strange 2 from fans of the Pandora franchise. If anything, the release of Doctor Strange 2 is going to help Avatar 2 more than than Avatar 2, you know, having a trailer before the movie is going to help Doctor Strange 2. I don't think a whole lot of people are excited about this at this point because we've been dealing with this shit of like, oh, it's coming out next year. Oh, it's coming out next year. Oh, it's coming out next year. By the way, I have a bunch of other sequels in the works. It's like, dude, just get one out before 
before anything else, like put your money where your mouth is, release the movie already. I mean, I get it. It's not ready, but, um, I mean, you know what I'm saying? Like, I feel like franchises have done this before. I can't think of any at the moment, but I'm pretty sure stuff like this has happened before where the studios and directors get way too ahead of themselves. And they're like, all right, let's, uh, let's set up all these sequels before, uh, the, you know, second movie even comes out. I don't know, man, just put all your focus in one movie at, at this moment, because for how long you've been saying this is coming out and for how long it's been delayed, just like, just focus on one thing, dude, <laughs> just get this done because, uh, it's getting a little ridiculous, but I'm not a director. I don't know how it all works. So, you know, I'm, I'm one to talk, but still, I think a lot of people will agree. It's like, it's been over 12 years, pretty, yeah, 12 years since, um, since the last one was released. And it's not like we haven't had movies that have came out, you know, longer ago, like 10 plus years. And then they make sequels to it. We've had even longer, um, you know, when it comes to like, uh, uh, I don't know, like Indiana Jones, maybe like with the kingdom of crystal kingdom of the crystal skull or, uh, Oh, what else? Like maybe alien star Wars, like all that kind of stuff. They've like, They've had movies, and then they've taken a big break and then came back to it, like, years later. So, and they've been successful for the most part. Some of them kind of flopped, in my opinion, like Star Wars with the sequel trilogy. But, I don't know, it could work. Maybe it'll end up being better than the first one, but I I didn't really care for the first one all that much. I know I'm probably in the minority here, but Avatar just wasn't my thing. Uh, now, Avatar The Last Airbender, I still haven't really watched a whole lot of that, but I need to get on that. The Last Airbender is a horrible movie, the live-action one, but I need to watch the series because a lot of people say it's really good. But, um, yeah, there's my last piece of news, talking about Avatar 2 and a possible trailer release date. Um, I'd like to know what you guys think. Are you still excited for this movie? Did you like the first one? Did you not? Um, are you just like... All right, get this movie out already. Uh, are you like, why are you planning so many sequels before, you know, the first sequel even comes out? That's kind of where I am at, uh, where I'm at right now, where it's just like, you have like two, three, maybe even four sequels in the works, but you can't even get, you know, the first sequel out. It's been years, so I feel like you should just focus on that at the moment and uh, hope and pray that that movie does good. I mean, I think it will. It's Avatar 2. I think it's going to break some records, but I could be wrong. You never know. Is it plan- uh, Is it supposed to come out this year? Let me look. Um, I mean, knock on wood that it's coming out this year, but uh, December 16th, 2022. We'll see about that. Uh, I'm not convinced, but we'll see. We shall see. But yeah, there's all the news I have for you today. There's a lot of other news I've probably gotta, gotten into. We got some uh, some really set footage from from Craven the Hunter. Uh, but if you want any other news, go check out 3C Films. Chris Parker, he always does a lot of great movie news. Um, whenever it comes to movie news, I try to like do different news than other YouTubers do. So that's why uh, a lot of times... You'll uh, you'll have some bigger news, but I won't really talk about it because somebody else has already talked about it. And I, I like to plug those channels because they do it a little bit better than I do. Well, a lot of bit better than I do. 
But yeah, that's that's it for news. So uh, let's talk about the new Cheaper by the Dozen. 2022's Cheaper by the Dozen is directed by Gail Lerner, who has worked on Will and Grace as well as Blackish. The screenplay is by Kenya Barris, who has also worked on Blackish. Uh, and then Jennifer Rice Gunzuk. Hopefully I'm saying that right. Looks like she's worked on Blackish as well. And the screen story is by Craig Titley or Tightly. Hopefully I'm saying that right. Uh, let me see. It looks like he worked on the first, or not the first Cheaper by the Dozen, because the first one came out back in like 1950. But it looks like he did this uh, screen story for the 2003 Cheaper by the Dozen film. Uh, he did the screenplay for Percy Jackson and the Lightning Thief. 20, uh, 2002's Scooby-Doo. Looks like he's done some work for Star Wars The Clone Wars. So yeah, he's he's done all kinds of stuff. And this is based upon the novel written by Frank B. Gilbreth Jr. and uh, Ernstein Gilbreth Carey. So uh, yeah, this is an old story, but it's been retold a few times. Uh, I know the first movie came out in like 1950, and I'm guessing it was based on the novel then so it must be a very old book definitely changed over time from what i can imagine uh then we had the 2003 film followed by the sequel with uh steve martin which i haven't watched for a long time but um i'm debating on watching it uh watching those two movies for this episode not quite sure yet i'm recording this before i make any decisions on that but Wanted to check out this new movie because The Real Rejects interviewed Zach Braff and the director, I believe, of the film. And uh, they seem to really like it. And it's not really the kind of movie that they watch or talk about or would seem to like. So I was like, hey, let me check it out. And I did enjoy it. It was pretty good for the most part. Uh, we have Gabrielle Union playing Zoe Baker and Zach Braff as Paul Baker, the two parents here. Um, and as Paul's ex-wife slash kind of nanny uh we have eric erica christensen as kate uh we also have um zoe's ex-husband who's a famous basketball player i believe uh timon kyle durrett as dom clayton and uh as the kids in this film i believe there's nine or ten of them we have journey brown as deja we have kyle or kylie rogers as ella andre robinson as dj kaylee blonsky as harley Aryan's uh, Simhar Hadri, hopefully I'm saying that right, as Harish, uh, Leo Abuelo, uh, Abuelo, or, I mean, typically in Spanish that's pronounced Abuelo, but, um, I'm gonna go with Abuelo, uh, Leo Abuelo, you know, I'm just gonna say Abuelo, Abuelo, because it's easier for me to say, Le Leo Abuelo Perry as Luca, uh, which is one of the two sets of twins here, uh, then we have Michael, or Michael, Michelle Harris as Luna, the other twin there. And then uh, I believe these two are actually twins in real life because they have the same last name. We have Christian Cote as Bailey and Sebastian Cote as Bronx. And then we have their cousin Luke Priel as Seth. So yeah, that's pretty much the main cast for you there. And uh, you might be wondering if you've seen the poster for it or if you've seen any trailers. You know, it's a mixed family, so, you know... It, it, in real life, there are issues that can come with that, you know, people not knowing that they're your kids or something like that just because they have a different skin color or, you know, um, you know, there's a scene in here. I'm not going to spoil much, but there is a scene in here involving a, a security guard when they move into a new neighborhood. 
um, little racial profiling, I guess, but it's not like, I, I don't think heavy handed is the word, but like, it's not like the main focus of the film is this family dealing with the issues, uh, that come with having a mixed family, but it's there and it's prevalent enough because I feel like if you have a movie, especially nowadays where you have a mixed family like this, I feel like that should be somewhat of somewhat of a heart or somewhat of the heart of the film is, you know, them overcoming those obstacles, which they have, but it's not the main focus of the movie. Essentially in this film, um, we have uh, Zach Braff as Paul Baker, who is an owner or the owner of a uh, breakfast restaurant where he serves breakfast all day long. And uh, Zoe Baker, his wife, works with him. They actually met there, and that's you know what led to them getting married. Um, and then you have some of the older kids working there as well. And we start off the film with them like they. Um, Paul has this really special sauce where it's hot, sweet, or savory, depending on what you put it on. And that sounds fucking incredible. I want that sauce. But uh, essentially, he gets investors interested in his sauce, and things go crazy from there. They move to a bigger house, and uh, it's basically just about a family having to deal with, you know, having a bigger house, having a bunch of children there, having their own issues, their own interests. You know, Deja, she's a basketball star and uh having her move away from where she was you know the opportunities aren't as good for her you have kylie rogers as ella who uh who um is kind of like a influencer or a wannabe influencer we don't get much of her in the film i would say we get the most like out of all the kids we get the most out of deja and dj um maybe a little bit of horace and seth but Andre Robinson as DJ, his interests are like comic books and stuff like that. And the whole thing with him and his biological father is that they don't really connect with that because like his dad's a, an athlete and he's kind of a nerd. And uh, I related to his character in that sense. Maybe not as much with like having a dad that that um, doesn't really understand comic books and stuff like that. But uh, in the sense that that's just kind of what my interests are. I related to him more uh more than anybody else in the film I feel like but again we don't get a whole lot from the kids like not every kid gets their moment to shine but um for the most part they each have their kind of quirky personalities that I really appreciated the twins were really cute too Luca and Luna I think they were they were adorable and Bailey and Bronx I thought they were they were cute too but um yeah, Seth was kind of that wild card character. He's kind of like a troublemaker. No shade towards the actor, but um, let me see. Has he been in anything? I guess he was in 8th grade, that movie that Bo Burnham directed, which I keep meaning to watch, but uh, it looks like he's been in four projects, including this one. So um, I didn't think he was bad in it, but, you know, he was a little bit on the weaker side in terms of, like, his, his acting, I guess. I, I really don't mean to be mean that sounds mean and I probably shouldn't have said anything but I don't know he just didn't I mean over time he fit in more but he was supposed to be kind of like the wild card like uh maybe not emo but just like 
kind of moody, doesn't really show his emotions, has kind of a darker side. So, you know, in a way, I feel like some people can relate to kind of the things that he's going through because his mom is, uh, they never specifically say what she's doing, but they say that she's going to rehab. So he has kind of like a troubled past. Um, so that was an interesting character that they brought in, but but I think just what they did with him and like what they gave him it didn't really like I don't know. I didn't care for that aspect too much, but for the most part I did uh I did really enjoy this film. I thought Zach Braff was really good. I think uh Gabrielle Union was also really great. I think both of them had really good chemistry and they also both had great chemistry with the kids, which is even more important, I feel like. Well, equally as important. Um, and with the uh, Real Rejects interview that they did, Zach Braff was talking about... I can't remember which kid he said he uh, he got along with most, but just the way he was talking about it, he's like, I don't have any kids of my own, but, like, you know, these kids were great. And even Greg from Real Rejects was like, yeah, like, you don't have kids, but, like, I believe that you did in the movie. And I, I definitely believe that, too. He would make a really good dad. But... um. What has Zach Braff been in? He has been in Scrubs, which I haven't really watched a whole lot of. Looks like he voiced one of the characters in Oz the Great and Powerful, which I do remember watching back when it came out. Uh, he did some voices in Bojack Horseman. Looks like he played himself in The Disaster Artist. Um, he was in Community. He's been in quite a bit of stuff, but not a whole lot that I've seen, to be honest. Uh, Arrested Development. Looks like he was the voice of Chicken Little and Chicken Little. I forgot about that. Definitely remember that movie. I, I liked that a lot growing up. But I haven't seen a whole lot from Zach Braff. But after watching this, I'm like, I kind of want to check out more that he's been in. So maybe I'll check out Scrubs at some point. I've heard that's a good show. Um, I'm not really into, like, doctor shows, but I think it's kind of a comedy. So definitely have to... <gasps> Excuse me. Hiccups. Definitely have to check that out at some point. Gabrielle Union, have I seen her in anything? She was in 10 Things I Hate About You, Bad Boys 2, Bring It On. Um, I don't think I've seen her in anything, to be honest. Doesn't really look like it. I could be wrong, but guess not. But I thought she was really great in the film. Erica Christensen looked kind of familiar. Do I recognize her from anything? Apparently, uh, no. I guess not. There's quite a few actors in here that I'm not too familiar with, but uh, I really liked all of them. And uh, Timon, Kyle Durant, or Durrett as Dom Clayton, uh, he was kind of supposed to seem like an asshole, but over time, like, his character really grew on me. I thought he was really fun. And, uh, you know, he's supposed to be like the rich dad who wasn't really around, but tries to make up for it by buying expensive things. And, um, I don't know, trying to force his son to be into things he's not into. And yeah, there you go. Also judging Paul on his parenting skills. He's wanting to be more of a parent and coming in. And it's just like, these are my kids. And I don't know. There, There's always issues to deal with when it comes to exes. But Erica, uh, Erica Christensen as Kate could give less of a shit, really, uh, if Zoe was parenting her kids or not. Eric, uh, Kate in this film, yeah, she's not a very responsible adult, so I'll say that much, but she is pretty funny. Um, 
I had fun with this movie. I thought it was really funny. It was heartwarming. There weren't any moments that made me cry, which for a film like this, if a movie doesn't make me cry, like, it's kind of surprising. But overall, I just had a lot of fun with it. Like, it was a fun time, and I would definitely watch this movie again. Um, and I would recommend it to people, too, like people with kids or even adults. I think there's things for adults to enjoy. Even if you don't have kids, like, check it out. It's a fun movie on Disney+. Plus. It's like an hour and 47 minutes long. It doesn't feel that long when you're watching it. You're just kind of chilling, having fun, laughing at the jokes, and enjoying the characters. So uh, there you go. There's my review for 2022's Cheaper by the Dozen on Disney+. Plus. I would like to know what you guys thought of the film. Comment down below what you thought of it, if you've seen it, or if you haven't. Uh, let me know if you're interested to check it out. From the trailers alone, it didn't look very good, but after hearing what uh, Greg and John from Real Rejects said, I definitely had to check it out. But yeah, there you go. Now on to the next review. 2003's Cheaper by the Dozen is directed by Sean Levy, who is actually the executive producer on the new 2022 film, and also the director of uh, Free Guy. He also... Did some work on Stranger Things. Uh, most recently, he directed The Atom Project. Uh, he's a great director. And the screen story, once again, is written by Craig Titley, or Titley, I can't remember how to say his name. Screenplay is by Sam Harper, Joel Cohen, and Alex Sokolo. Hopefully I'm saying that right. And uh, based, once again, on the novel by Frank B. Gil uh, Gilberth Jr. and Ernstine Gilberth Carey. Um which in the movie, Piper Parabo's character, Nora Baker, actually references a game that her grandma Gilbreth came up with. So I wonder if in a weird way all these movies are connected somehow. But I'm thinking of watching the 1950s film just to kind of make a nice little bow on this episode and watch all the movies and try to maybe rank them or compare them, something like that. In terms of the story, like... At the base of it, it's pretty similar to the 2022 film where the father has a really good opportunity and uh, they move into a bigger house. And with the mother here, too, she gets a really big opportunity and she's actually the one that has to leave and the father has to watch them, unlike the 2022 film where the father in there has to leave because he's selling his sauce and uh, trying to franchise his restaurant. Uh, the mother has to watch them. But with this, Steve Martin as uh, Tom Baker has to watch the kids so his wife, Kate, can go on a book tour for her new book, Cheaper by the Dozen. Um, with Tom, you have him moving to Chicago because he gets a really good opportunity. Uh, he's a football coach, so he gets an opportunity to coach a team. And uh, pretty similar to the uh, 2022 film in that sense, but um, it is different, however, in the sense that... Uh, all the kids are theirs. There aren't any, like, kids from previous marriages or anything like that. It's all 12 kids in this movie are theirs. And uh, if I'm not mistaken, I could be wrong, but in the 2022 film, they said they had, like, nine kids or something like that. I could be wrong. Maybe I heard it wrong. But uh, here they actually have 12, and they're all theirs. Um, so it's different in that sense, but similar in quite a few ways as well. As the kids here, we have Hilary Duff as Lorraine Baker. Uh, as I said before, Piper Parabo as Nora, ba uh, Nora Baker, who I really, she looks super familiar, but I don't really recognize her from a whole lot, so don't know what was up with that, but Tom Welling, Superman himself from Smallville as Charlie Baker. We have Kevin J. Uh, Kevin G. Schmidt as Henry Baker, Allison Stoner from the Camp Rock movies on Disney uh, as Sarah Baker. We have Jacob Smith as Jake Baker, 
Liliana uh, Mummy as Jessica Baker, who I recognized from uh, the Santa Claus 2 and the Santa Claus 3. Uh, Morgan York as Kim Baker, who I also recognized from uh, from the Pacifier with Vin Diesel. Uh, we have Forrest Landis as Mark Baker. Honestly, my favorite kid in this film. Uh, and then we have Blake Woodruff as Mike Baker. Brent Kinsman as Nigel Baker. Shane Kinsman as Kyle Baker. They're obviously twins in the film. Uh, who else do we have here? We have Stephen Anthony Lawrence as Dylan Shank, who actually plays or played Beans on Even Stevens. Funny enough, um, Mark has a, a frog in this movie named Beans. And the frog before that, that passed away, his name was Pork. So you have Pork and Beans. I thought that was pretty funny. Uh, Paul Marshall plays Tina Shank, the uh, mother to Dylan Shank. And then the father of uh, Dylan Shank, Bill Shank, is played by Alan Ruck, who was Cameron in Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Another familiar actor here, and the last one I'll... I'll uh, talk about is Richard Jenkins as Shake, uh, one of the people that uh, that Tom works with. I forgot to mention, though, Ashton Kutcher is in this film. For some reason, he's uncredited, but um, yeah, Dax Shepard plays uh, Nora's boyfriend. Uh, what's his name? Let me find that. Gotta go all the way down, because he's uncredited. Uh, Hank. Yep. Uh, so Ashton Kutcher's in the film. Wayne Knight is uh, uncredited as well. He plays Newman in Seinfeld. Um, he is an electrician there. And then one of the bullies in the film, Jared Padalecki, uh, he was actually Sam Winchester in Supernatural. So got a lot of people I recognize in this film. Uh, Regis Philbin plays himself in here. Kelly Ripa plays herself. Uh, they're like two morning talk show hosts. Um, Sean Levy even plays uh, like a press room reporter so yeah a lot of cool cool actors in here a lot of people i recognize dax shepherd even has a cameo um i really enjoyed this film like it, it's different from the 2022 film i don't remember much from this movie but i do remember watching it when i was a kid uh, apparently the next movie has eugene levy in there so i'm excited for that but um, this movie did make me cry. Unlike the 2022 film, I felt like that was a lot more lighthearted. This is still lighthearted, but it had its very heartwarming moments with, uh, with Mark's character because, you know, the kids call him FedEx because essentially they think that the FedEx guy dropped him off because they don't think he belongs in the family. And that hit me really hard. I was like, damn, that's, that's tough. Like that's any scene with that kid. I was just like, God damn, this kid. It makes me want to cry just the way he's being treated. But, you know, he's the heart of the film in my eyes. And uh, he he was a lot like Seth in the 2022 film where it's like you have this kind of wild card character who uh, doesn't really fit in too well. But at the end of the movie, and a bit of a spoiler for the, 2000, or the 2022 film and a little bit of a spoiler for this one. You have a heartwarming moment that brings all the family together because something happens with the wild guard and they're like, oh no, but he belonged here the whole time. So that's that kind of thing. It's a cheesy movie, but I really love Steve Martin in here. I love all the actors in here. I thought they did a great job. And uh, it was a really fun movie. It was really funny, really heartwarming. And um, I had a really good time with it. Overall, I think I'm going to give this movie the same score I gave the uh, 2022 film an 8 out of 10. I would definitely watch this movie again. Definitely recommend it if you haven't watched it. But if you have, comment down below. Tell me, like, is this a movie you loved when you were a kid? Or is this a movie, like, you haven't really watched before? I'd like to know. But didn't really remember much from it. I'm glad I watched it again. 
So yeah, I decided to uh, go and watch these other movies. I'm kind of reviewing it out of order here, but uh, at least I didn't go from watching the 2022 film to watching Cheap by the Dozen 2. <laughs> that wouldn't make any sense, but definitely going to watch that next. So um, that'll be my next review here. Uh, but yeah, Steve Martin, great job. Bonnie Hunt, really great job. I had a lot of fun with the movie. In terms of if I like it better or worse than the 2022 film, I don't really know. I haven't watched them both enough times to know which one I like more. But, you know, this one did make me cry, so maybe it gets a little extra points there for that. But I really like what the 2022 film did, so they're they're both equal in my eyes. But, yeah, there's my review for uh, 2003's Cheaper by the Dozen. Now let's talk about Cheaper by the Dozen 2 from 2005. Cheaper by the Dozen 2005. So, uh, this film I really enjoyed. Uh, it brings back all the original cast as well as some new characters. We have Eugene Levy coming in as Jimmy Murtaugh, who I really enjoyed. Uh, who else do we have? Carmen Electra as Serena Murtaugh. We also have Jamie King as Anne Murtaugh. Taylor Lautner as Elliot Murtaugh. Um, Jonathan Bennett as Bud McNulty. Uh, who else do we have here? Uh, bear with me. Alexander Conti as Kenneth Murtaugh. Melanie Tonello as Becky Murtaugh. And, uh, Robbie Amell as Daniel Murtaugh. We also have Courtney Fitzpatrick and Madison Fitzpatrick as Lisa and Robin Murtaugh. And, uh, Sean Roberts as Calvin Murtaugh. So they definitely have a lot of kids, so... <laughs> Maybe not as many as, uh as the bakers but still up there i think they said like eight eight kids uh this film's directed by adam shankman who has worked on films and tv shows such as glee uh what men want rock of ages modern family what else here bedtime stories hairspray the pacifier uh, Monk, A Walk to Remember, The Wedding Planner. So he's definitely done quite a bit of stuff. Uh, who are the uh, writers here? Let me see if I can click the right freaking thing. Thank you. Written by Sam Harper. Characters by Greg, uh, Craig Titley or Titley. I always forget how to say it. And obviously based on the novel Cheaper by the Dozen by Frank B. Gilbreth Jr. and Ernstine Gilbreth Carey. Um, so yeah, like I said, brings in Eugene Levy as Jimmy Murtaugh and his wife and kids. And they're definitely on the richer side. They're definitely not afraid to show off their wealth. And uh, Jimmy runs a very tight ship with his children. Very strict. But uh, as opposed to the Bakers, they're a little less strict. Their kids are kind of going crazy. And uh, Jimmy Murtaugh is kind of like a former rival of uh, of Tom. So they definitely go at it in this film. But basically what brings them together again is <clears throat> Tom decides to take his family on a nice vacation over to a lake to go uh, stay in a cabin. And... Uh, Chaos ensues when Jimmy and Tom meet up and their uh, their rivalry slash competitive nature goes amok and uh, you get crazy craziness ensues from there. So uh, 
Yeah, it's a really fun film. I have to say, I think I liked it better than uh, the 2022 Cheaper by the Dozen and the 2003 Cheaper by the Dozen. Something about this movie, maybe having Eugene Levy in there and maybe having it be like a vacation film, I think I had a little more fun with it. Also, this movie made me cry a lot more than either of those films. 2022 didn't make me cry at all, but the 2003 movie did. This one, I cried multiple times. I'm such a softie, but I kind of pride myself on it, you know, being in touch with my emotions, I guess, and not being not being too manly to cry. But shit like this definitely gets to me, these family films and anything heartwarming, uh, anything made to tug on your heartstrings. In this film, Steve Martin's character, Tom, has to deal with a lot of his kids growing up, you know, getting interested in boys. Um, moving out, moving further away, you know, one of them, um, what's her name again, uh, Nora, she's actually pregnant in this film, and that's a big thing here, and you can kind of assume with one of these kinds of movies, if you have a pregnant character, it's most likely going to end with that character, you know, giving birth, which a little bit of a spoiler there, but this isn't like a Marvel movie or anything, plus it came out in 2005, so, um, don't think I'm ruining the movie for anybody at this point, but yeah, there's a lot of cheesiness with it. There's a lot of kind of these family movie tropes and a lot of vacation tropes there too, but I had a lot of fun watching this movie and I'd definitely watch this again. It definitely feels like a, a good summer movie, but um, <clears throat> very heartwarming and really great acting from uh, from Steve Martin, all the actors really, Steve Martin and Eugene uh, Eugene Levy. I loved watching them just go back and forth at each other. Um, and then, <clears throat> excuse me, I think the the chemistry between Bonnie Hunt as Kate Baker and Steve Martin and as uh, Tom Baker is stronger than ever in this film. I think she was, I think she stood out in this film more than she did in the last one. Maybe because she was kind of like off doing her own thing for the most part. And uh, Tom had to stay with the kids. But this time nobody has to leave. They're all just having a nice vacation with each other and uh the standouts in terms of the kids I would say um I mean Serena or not Serena but uh Ann Murtaugh and Charlie Baker they kind of have a fling in the movie um Nora I liked her in the film but she didn't have a whole lot to do um Elliot Murtaugh and Sarah Baker uh they kind of have a thing going on in the movie which is crazy and uh kind of um nerve-wracking for Tom because it's the first time she's like interested in a boy so uh definitely for a dad like that it must be terrifying to have a daughter have a crush and be going on dates and stuff like that uh Bud McNulty is the I don't know if they said he was the boyfriend fiance or husband of Nora but uh he's the father of their child um <clears throat> yeah, there's definitely quite a few characters that don't get a whole lot to do, like Kim Baker, Jessica Baker, Jake Baker. Um, honestly, any kid that's not slightly, like, grown up or growing up to, like, do more, I don't know. Anybody who, like, either going through puberty or already had been through puberty, those are the uh, the kids that get the most attention in these films. Because those actors most likely can do have a little more depth, do a little more, have a little more uh, 
interesting, a little more uh, uh, detail of a character, I guess, if that makes sense. Whereas the younger kids, like, uh, these are these kinds of movies where after the movie, during the credits, they, they do, like, bloopers and stuff. And um, after the first movie, um, they did bloopers. And the two twins in the film, they were just not having it. They just wanted to go outside. They wanted to do whatever they wanted to do. So it's hard to direct kids like that. And so um, I'm wondering if the director's like, all right, we're, or maybe, well, the director doesn't always do the script. So I guess he doesn't have control over which characters have more scenes. But I guess at the end of the day, at the end of the day, he could make that call. But um, yeah, I, I feel like it makes sense like that the younger actors, well, it's not completely fair to uh, kind of put them to the side. It makes sense because, like, child labor laws and stuff, you're not able to do as much with kids in movies, um, especially back then. Like, I feel like now it's a little bit different, but I could be wrong. I'm not a, I'm not a filmmaker in Los Angeles or anything, but I don't know. There are some characters, like, um, you know, the ones I mentioned before, like Kim Baker and Jessica Baker, those little girls are, like, so smart and, like, they just know so much. Like, they have a few scenes in here where they're just like, where do you get this stuff from? These kids are so smart. Um, but, yeah, definitely the standouts for me were, like, Sarah Baker and uh, and Charlie Baker, probably, in terms of the kids, um, at least in the Baker's family. Um, I really like Nora, too. I, I don't know. I think the actress is just pretty, so I might just have a crush on her, but... <laughs> Um, yeah, she was pretty good. Uh, Serena Murtaugh is the, like, wife of Jimmy Murtaugh. Probably, like, his third or fourth wife, I think they said. And she's a lot younger than him. There was, a there was something she said in the film about, uh, Tom and, and Jimmy's, uh, rivalry. And she's like, this all started, like, 18 years before I was born, so you need to get over it. I'm just like, god damn. Like, even him, like, just the look on his face, it's just like, God damn, I, I, uh, she's really young. You just made me feel old. <laughs> but, yeah, I really liked seeing, uh, Eugene Levy in here. I haven't seen a whole lot of Eugene Levy films or movies. I know he is, uh, in American Pie, which I feel like I've watched at some point. He also did the voice for Charlie and, uh, Finding Dory. I think that was the, oh, wait, no, that's not the octopus. I can't remember which character that is, but, um, obviously he's on or was on Schitt's Creek, which is a very popular show. And I'm kind of debating on uh, starting that show soon. I'm not sure. But comment down below if you think I should start it. I'm sure a lot of people would like to uh, hear my thoughts on that. But yeah, he's a great actor. He's done some voice work. But, you know, he's been in a lot a lot of comedies for sure. So uh, this fits in, into the kind of shit that he does. Not that not saying it's shit. I'm saying just the kind of stuff he does. <laughs> but... Yeah, overall, I think I'm going to give... This is tough, because like I want to rank these movies, but I like them all so far. Um, but, I don't know. I'd have to say, I'd give this movie an 8.5 out of 10. So, in terms of the ranking, I think, uh, I think this movie would come first. And uh, I won't spoil what comes after that. Because uh, we'll get into that in a little while here. But, yeah. 8.5 out of 10. I really enjoyed this movie. Definitely would watch all these movies again, honestly. Uh, so let's talk about the 1950s, or the 1950 Cheaper by the Dozen film.
1950s cheaper by the dozen. I'm going to be honest right off the bat. I didn't really care for this movie. I don't care for older movies like this. I've barely... And when it comes to like anything 1950s or below, I've probably seen like a handful of movies. Uh, so these really aren't my kind of movies. With this one, it's just like, yeah, like the subject matter... I've, I've seen it done better and, and ha had more fun with the other Cheaper by the Dozen movies. Maybe it's a bad thing that I watched the other ones first, but I think still like... If I hadn't watched the other ones first, I probably still wouldn't have liked this very much. Uh, stars Clifton Webb as Frank Bunker uh, Gilbreth and Myrna Loy as Mrs. Lillian Gilbreth. Um, IMDb doesn't have much of the cast here, but Barbara Bates does play Ernstine Gilbreth. Or er Ernestine? Ernestine? I think it's Ernestine. I, could, I think I was pronouncing that wrong the entire time. But uh, that's named after one of the... Uh, writers on the novel that this was based by, which apparently is a true story, which I'm not too surprised by. But um, overall, I'm going to say Clifton Webb, I think he is a good actor. I haven't seen him in anything else, but based off of this alone, I think he he is a good actor. I just don't like his character very much. I don't like the way he parents. It's a much different time. So, you know, morals, beliefs and 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 um and uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Morals, beliefs, and values. There you go. Values were a lot different back then when it comes to how to parent, how to be a father. Um, so a lot of things the kind of mother dealt with. You know, the dad was around for for a lot of the fun stuff. But when it came to actually like getting down in the nitty gritty and uh, dealing with certain problems i don't think he really did a whole lot he kind of left it to the mother um just based off of what i saw i kind of checked out a few times during this movie but um i don't know there's moments in here where i'm just like man he is not a great father like he's not a very good dude and then there's other moments where it's like he's getting along with his kids and his kids seem to love him but like at the same time i don't know how i'd feel in that situation because he kind of runs his house like a military base where he has like his kids line up he checks his hands to see how dirty they are goes up to one of his daughters he's like why are you wearing paint on your face and she's like it's makeup and he's like here take it off and i'm just like god damn like i mean cheaper brother doesn't probably does something similar in one of their movies with that but at the same time they don't they don't like demean the woman for wearing makeup they're just like oh no you're too young don't wear makeup you're you're my daughter but here, it's just like, what are you doing, you filthy... I don't, I don't want to... I've already said too many bad words for this episode. I don't want to have to age-restrict it, like, 100%. But, yeah, you, you get what I mean. He has certain moments where it's just like, God damn, dude, you were a little harsh there. And then there's, like, certain moments where it's... I mean, granted, it was the daughter talking about something she was having issues with. And he's like, I'll leave this to you, to the mom, but... Uh, I, I kind of get that because it's like certain issues with mother and daughter. It's just like you, you kind of need the mom to weigh in on this. and It's not really a conversation for the dad, but um, I don't know. That was another thing that kind of rubbed me wrong about his character. Again, no no shade towards uh, Clifton Webb. I don't know what he was like in real life. I'm guessing he's not alive anymore because this is a very old film. But yeah, a lot of things in here I was just like, 
man, parenting was a lot different back then, especially when it came to being a dad. And then over time, like things still kind of stay the same and some things kind of don't, you know, things are changing, but there's still people kind of set in their ways and, you know, set in the ways that their parents taught them. And yeah, uh, something I was thinking during this movie, just kind of thinking back on the other ones, I'm like, Cheaper by the Dozen would make a pretty decent like TV show where like, and I could see this like. I could see Cheaper Brother Dozen going down like a more different route, a little more of a mature route with having like some of the daughters having to deal with like periods and stuff like that. Or, um, I don't know, like depression. I don't know. I feel like you could do some like really serious topics if you did like a TV show with Cheaper by the Dozen, but like still make it fun and kind of lighthearted. But like, I don't know, insert more of that kind of drama in there. I, I think that could kind of work. Maybe I'm the only one who wants that, but I could kind of see them doing like a TV series where they have to like deal with problems with each child and like certain things they're dealing with each episode and then like kind of have a heartwarming moment where it's like, oh, and I'm still your dad and I still love you. And it's, uh, I love, I love cheesy, like gooey, goopy, sappy shit like that. That was a weird description, but I, I do. So yeah, this movie, I'm going to be kind, and I'm going to give it a 5 out of 10, just respecting the, essentially the source material for what these movies came on, or went on to be. I mean, this was based off of a novel, but uh, I think this is probably like as close of an adaptation to the novels as we'll ever get uh, when it comes to this this property. But I respect it enough to give it, a, you know, halfway out of 10. So there you go. Just didn't care for his parenting. And, uh, you know, they had certain scenes where in other Cheaper by the Dozen movies, it'd be played off for laughs. And they have a similar scene in the first Cheaper by the Dozen movie with uh, Steve Martin in 2003, where uh, they're like voting. And it's like some they say something about this is a democracy. And they say pretty much something similar in this uh, in this movie. And he literally runs like a family meeting, like a courtroom, which is kind of funny. But at the same time, it's just like. He's kind of making his kids, like, talk court talk and, like, try to say everything right and be as smart as possible and get their point across. I kind of get it in a way. It's like you're trying to make your kids smart, but I don't know. I think he overdoes it at certain points. Like, there's a scene where he's talking to some some lady at a school trying to, like, get his kids there, and um, he's having them all multiply things on the spot, like, huge numbers. And that actually kind of reminded me of Jimmy Murtaugh from uh, Cheaper Brother Dozen 2 from 2005, played by Eugene Levy. Uh, kind of reminded me of that there because, like, he's an overachiever and he kind of tries to rub that off on his kids and make them overachievers. And uh, it's kind of what I saw here. And I, was, I thought that was a little funny. I was like, this is literally the opposite of Steve Martin. But, you know, it's different. It's not any. I mean, it's similar enough to the other films to, like, be cheaper by the dozen and you know this is technically the original so the other ones need to be close enough to be cheaper by the dozen but when it comes to me not growing up with the 1950s film being more like growing up with the steve martin films which i never really watched a whole lot um i just have more of a connection to those so yeah that can kind of tell you where i put this on the ranking so uh Speaking of the ranking, 
let's uh let's get into that but yeah there was my review for the 1950 uh cheaper by the dozen film all right so starting off in the last place is obviously the 1950s or the 1950 cheaper by the dozen film just didn't really care for it much didn't care for the dad and his parenting uh it's harder for me to get into older movies so there you go unfortunately i have to put it in last place because the other ones are really good and i really like the other ones uh in third place, this one's tough for me because I really like this movie and um, it's hard for reboots, but obviously I'm going to have to put 2022's uh, Cheaper by the Dozen in third place. I really did like this movie and I'm definitely going to rewatch it, but um, in terms of what those Steve Martin films did, like, my God, these movies made me cry so much. So I think for the fact alone that the 2022 movie didn't make me cry, I think that's why it's in third place, but a little controversial there. People were like, ooh, are you putting it in third place because it has to deal with a mixed family? Like, no, no, it's not that at all. I even said multiple times I really like the movie. It's just, man, those goddamn Steve Martin movies. I love Steve Martin, and uh, I love those those movies. They really make me cry. Um, but yeah, coming in at second place, and this one was hard too, but uh, you might already know. It's Cheaper by the Dozen from 2003. Uh, I really love this film. I think it's great. But uh, obviously, my my uh, in first place, I have Cheaper by the Dozen 2 from 2005. Something about Cheaper by the Dozen 2, uh, I just had a lot more fun with. Like, I love the first one. But the second one, something about it just, like, made me cry so much. Having to do with, like, the dad kind of having to say goodbye to his kids when they're growing up. Something about that just, like, really tugged at the heartstrings you have a pregnant character in there so uh you know or like his daughter's pregnant in the movie so he's gonna be a grandfather so that's emotional as well and uh at the end of the day the movie is just kind of about him having to have or trying to have one last vacation with all his family before everybody splits off and uh yeah i thought it was really good eugene levy was a really great addition to the cast i think the rivalry between him and Steve Martin's character, I think is just hilarious. But yeah, going back to the first one, like I still really love that movie. It did make me cry only at the end, but um, and I mean, Steve Martin's great, man. And the first one, I mean, you can't, you can't beat the storyline and a dad being left home alone with, with 12 kids while his wife goes on a book tour. I mean, that, that's a crazy <laughs> That's a crazy scenario, and uh, it works really well, and it's really funny, and it's really heartwarming as well, but gotta say, that second movie just really hit me. So, uh, yeah, there's my ranking for all four uh, Cheaper by the, Do the Dozen films. I know there's technically a sequel to the 1950 movie, but I didn't feel like watching that. Yeah, I think I can get away with only reviewing and ranking these four, but... I'd love to know your guys' ranking, if you've watched all four of these movies, or if you've only watched, like, you know, the 2003, the 2005, and the 2022 films. Uh, I'd love to know what your ranking is there, if it's similar to mine, different to mine. I think a lot of people will probably have the 2003 one in first place, maybe the second one in second, and the 2022 in last. Um, but yeah, I'd like to know what you guys think. I'd like to know your ranking of the Cheaper by the Dozen films. Uh, just the ones that you've seen. You don't have to rank anything you haven't watched, but I would like to know. I'm interested to know. But yeah, Steve Martin's great. 
And uh, I really like what they did with the uh, 2022 film as well. Having a mixed family, it's it's an element added to the movie that I think worked really well. And uh, it, it kept it really relevant to today's climate in terms of like politics, social issues, all that kind of stuff. But at the heart of the film, it's always about the family. And uh, that's the kind of thing that I really enjoy in these types of films. Just having these great heartwarming funny hilarious family moments and just having a good time that's that's what i attribute to these movies so yeah there you go there's my ranking and reviews for all four uh cheaper by the dozen films once again i'd like to know what you guys think of uh of the new cheaper by the dozen film 2022 on disney plus i'd also like to know what you think about the 2003 and the 2005 film and if you've seen it tell me what you think about the 1950 film but that is it for today's episode. In the next episode, I should be reviewing season one of Daredevil. I know I said I wasn't going to be reviewing that stuff right away in the last episode, but I decided to watch it. Uh, I'm not sure what else I'll be reviewing by that point. Um, I think, is it called The Lost City or something like that with Sandra Bullock and Channing Tatum? I think that comes out this week, so I might review that. And uh, whatever else I end up watching by that point. And of course, movie news, as I usually do. But... Uh, yeah, thank you guys so much for listening. I'd like any comments down below on any of the stuff I talked about today. I'm on Facebook and Instagram at Pop Culture Podcast. The link in the bio of my Instagram will take you to my website, Made Through Wix, where you can find where to watch this on YouTube, where to listen on all major podcast platforms, links to my social media pages, as well as a link to my Tee Public store. Only have one design available there. It's the Pop Culture Podcast logo, but I think it looks really nice. It's available on all. All different colors if you're getting t-shirts, tank tops, sweatshirts, all that kind of stuff. But they also have like face masks. They have, I think they have mugs. Uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure. Uh, they also have like stickers, uh, phone cases. They even have freaking onesies if, if you want to dress your baby up in some uh, pop culture podcast merch. That'd be really cool. But if you grab some merch, definitely, uh, definitely take a picture of it and uh, send it over to my Instagram Maybe I'll share it on my story. I'd really appreciate it if you guys pick something up because it supports me and it supports the podcast and uh, in a way it supports small creators as well. Small creators? It's not like a small business thing. I never thought about that. I say that all the time, but it, is that something people say? I don't know. Probably not. <laughs> but yeah, thank you guys for listening. I'll see you uh, probably on Friday or Saturday uh, with another great episode, but see you guys later. Mm -hmm.